Hello and welcome to Curiosity Killed the Cat. I am your host, Sarah, and for this episode, I'm going to be getting into the first episode of season four of True Detective. That's right, baby. Prestige HBO television is back. Sunday nights are back. And uh, this time uh, starring Jodie Foster. And uh, I have to say, um, I get I get real excited when uh, these, these big bad TV shows um, come back. It's been quite a ride with uh, the, four, the three seasons of True Detective that we've been given thus far um this year and the year of our I don't know I don't know can we still call it the year of our lord like the year of satan I feel like this is the year of the fucking devil so like how about in the year of 2024 the year of the devil uh this is the 10 year anniversary of the first season of true detective and uh when that show just um showed up on our screens uh Sunday nights on HBO uh I don't think anybody was prepared for what that season was going to be now 10 years after that specific season of television um you know there's been a lot of different opinions looking back on that season of True Detective throughout the years uh season Two was universally not well received. Uh, people took uh, every opportunity that they could at the time to bash on season two. I remember at the time, like, I think I can't remember what year it came out. Let's see if 2014 was season one. I think by 2016, 17, 2000, uh, the second season came out. I'm going to have to double check, uh, you know, when I get you know, more into the true detective lore and everything. Um, I'll be a little more specific, but I just remember at that time, as far as like social media goes, I had Instagram and Facebook and like, I didn't see, I think it's because I didn't have Twitter at that time. There were so many shows and movies and movements that I, I missed throughout the Twitter, Twitter sphere. Um, that when season two came out, I just was watching it and enjoying it. Um, you know, were there some things that were a little bit maybe too much? I don't know. Sure. Maybe. But I really enjoyed Colin Farrell. I really enjoyed Rachel McAdams. Um, maybe Vince Vaughn was too much from time to time. But I'm I'm a Vince Vaughn girl, okay? I love when he goes on rants in movies and in shows. And so season two of True Detective offered a different kind of flavor of Vince Vaughn. So it, it was what it was, but, um, I thought it was cool cause it had this industrial California deep dark. Again, is this, is, is there a weird supernatural element to this? And it's like season one told us, well, no, it feels like it, but no. And season two kind of did the same thing. And so, Finally, when season three rolled around, we had Marshala Ali and Stephen Dwarf as the, the true detectives in this this specific season. Um, it felt like like it was back, right? Like I I kind of didn't understand like the uh the the 
the not very good reviews of season two to like after the fact. So it just seemed like after that happened, is there ever going to be a season three? Is there ever going to be any more true detective? What does this look like? Because, you know, there's an interesting swirl of creators involved in true detective. Um, and so anyways, it, it was just like, okay, is there ever going to be any more of this? Like, and then season three came out, And again, it just, it just went on this teeter-totter of like, is there supernatural, surreal, out-of-this-world, out-of-body elements to this story? Or is it just, you know, an atmospheric sort of deep, dark telling of a true crime story in this fictional world that we have here? And um, I just felt like season three was creepy as hell. Um, again, real dark. It, it, it went back and forth with the flashbacks, uh, the time the time flashbacks. And um, by the time the season uh, wrapped up, I just really loved it. I enjoyed it. I, I thought the two guys together were were great. Their chemistry was um, was palpable. And it just felt like that 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 meme right the we're so back like we're so back so season three it wraps up it gets done I listen to all the 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 you know wrap-up review after the show podcast you know everyone that I could get my little hands and ears on I listened to and 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 just soaked in and then it was just sort of like well are we ever are we going to get more? Like, will there ever be more True Detective? Like, it seemed kind of like it was up in the air, you know, is it, will we, won't we, are we going to get it? Yes, no, whatever. And, um, you know, TV has been really interesting over the last, like, specifically since uh, COVID and lockdown and quarantine since 2020. Uh, Just TV has been funky in general. In terms of pacing and seasons, in terms of shows that were seemingly taking off before and then kind of fell off, whatever. Like, it's just been, you know, so it was like, yeah, it, it's almost like for me, the conversation of will Tr- True Detective um, come back for another season kind of just even fell off the back burner. It wasn't even like a back of my mind thought, like... I was, like, worrying about, is there going to be more Westworld? Um, What is this House of the Dragon show going to look like? Um, What new stuff is HBO going to be pumping out that that feels new and fresh and dramatic and part of this, you know, prestigious HBO branding? You know, we, we went from... H like streaming wise it was like HBO Go, HBO Max and now we live in this weird fucking Max world that I cannot stand. I'm an HBO girl for life. Like one of my last episodes was the Succession finale and I think um just before the finale of Succession um HBO switched to Max and now you know, you go, you click on the Max app and you have 
just a bunch of shit swirled in with like good stuff. And like, that's fine. I love, I am always here for putting something on, letting it go into my brain and instantaneously just like dump back out. You know what I mean? Like I don't necessarily need to, like I used to be kind of snobby and I've chilled the fuck out over the last several years. And you know, I like a good trashy, I love a good Vanderpump rules from time to time or below deck or whatever. Um, you know, but, but it just feels so weird going on to max clicking on max and just seeing like all these just stuff that never mixed. So like bringing this back to true detective season four, like just the other day, this is like a day after this, you know, banger of an HBO show, whatever. Like, again, it's been an interesting ride in terms of the seasons, but this, this, this big show coming back, we just, just wrapped up the writers and actors strike not too long ago. And, you know, again, things are going to be a little bit funky again in TV for a little bit in the next year or two, things might be a little bit weird because of the strikes and everything that just happened because studios refuse to pay, you know, people a decent living wage for the art that they create for the said companies. But like, I click on it, I I go to Max and I open up the thing and you would think that, you know, on the little, the little like a uh, scroll thing that like pops up on, on, on the, I don't know, interface of Max, you know, it's like this show, that show, this movie, whatever. And like true detective, like to me, I don't know if I'm delusional or not, but like, I feel like that should be like the number one thing that you see when you open up the Max app, maybe the number two thing in case there was like some sort of live sporting event or something. I don't know. But I go on it. I click on it. It's like Tuesday. Okay. Like barely two days after the fucking show premieres, the season premieres. And um, it's not even in the first few little like things that come up on the fucking max app right and I'm just like what are we doing here like what is going on here and like I don't know I don't know what's going on with this company it's weird I don't know if they're trying to sink it or tank it or what the fuck is going on at Warner Brothers it's beyond me it's beyond my pay grade whatever the fuck that even is but like I don't I don't know but it's weird and uh I just, I don't know. I think that I, you would think that they would be, you know, screaming from like the mountaintops that uh, True Detective is back. But um, with all this being said, um, I have been, uh, I was getting ready to go full speed ahead into um, season five here of Curiosity uh, Killed the Cat. And uh, I just needed a little bit more time. So now that we're officially in the new year, the the year of the devil, twenty twenty four. It's time to 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 get it going and and get things properly started. So um, I'm gonna be doing my best with uh weekly episodes of True Detective. Um, I believe there are six episodes of this season. Um, 
by the time episode one was done, it it was called part one. So I guess I'm assuming every episode's going to be part two to part six. So um, like I said, I'm going to do my best with uh, getting in at least a good solid six episodes of this TV show. Um, and as I go further into this episode um, about the premiere of season four, True Detective, um, you know, I, I do want to dip into, um, the first three seasons a tidbit and I don't know, I guess talk about things that stood out to me in those, uh, specific seasons, but mostly this will be focusing on the season premiere of, uh, season four of True Detective. I can't believe I'm saying this. We started with, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, obviously, and now we are here with Jodie fucking Foster. Not only were, like, the two of them, Matthew and Jodie, co-stars in the fucking banger of an outer space alien movie, Contact, from the mid to late 90s. I think it was, like, 90s. No, it came out. I want to say that movie came out in 1996, but I feel like that's wrong maybe more like 1998 or 99. I'll look into it. But I just think it's fucking cool. They're all executive producers on the show. You know, throughout the seasons, it's always been fun to see, uh, you know, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson's um, name pop up in the executive producer credits. Um, and now Jodie Foster is there as well. So um, yeah, Issa Lopez is technically the creator of this season of True Detective, Nick Palazzo, oh my god, I hope, I hope I said his last name right, um, did the first few seasons, um, and, uh, yeah, so in, 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 in this new season, we have, uh, I believe her name is Callie Ray, Ray's, Callie Ray, or Callie Ray's, uh, Jodie Foster, um, and, uh, oh shit, what's his name, John Hawk? Hawkins, John Hawkins, John Hawk or John Hawkins. Um, it's just a great cast. It's got a vibe. We're in Alaska. We are, we are up north. We are in the cold. We have thing vibes. We have 30 days of night vibes. We have Alaskan Gothic fucking murder shit going down fucking indigenous women that need to be avenged and uh, a group of scientists that go missing for no particular reason at all. Oh, and Aunt Petunia or uh, Marnie from True Blood, if you will. Fiona Shaw pops up in this episode or uh, Marva from Andor, if you will. Um, she is fabulous and I love her. So, um, I'm very excited to get into this episode. I have seen it, uh, I've seen the print premiere now, uh, two times and I've listened to about five or six episodes or five or six hours of, uh, different podcasts reviewing this from Joanna Robinson to, um, the bald move guys to, uh, oh, the watch. I love, uh, to listen to Andy Andy and Chris on the watch, uh, talk TV and they got into this, this first episode. So anyways, uh, with that being said, let's get into the first episode of season four of true detective night country. 
All right, so we kick the episode off in a fictional town called Innis uh, in Alaska. It is the first day of the long night, the last sunset of the year, and uh, the story pretty much revolves around um, these missing scientists from this uh, research facility in the town. Uh, this is a big mining town. Uh, the creator of the show, Isa Lopez, mentioned that it has kind of themes to the old, like, company towns from back in the day, which were never good. Um, but as the episode, um, as we get further into the episode, we realize that the mine in this town is very important to its, obviously, economy, livelihood, whatever, um, and that one of the, um, besides just the, 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 the men that go missing from this research facility, we also have, I think they, a six-year-old, uh, murder, um, an indigenous woman from this town who was actively, uh, protesting and, uh, was an activist against, um, the mine in this town. She was brutally murdered and, um, the other, uh, officer trooper in this episode is uh officer navarro uh her name's angeline i think she's called angie a few times throughout the episode and she was the one that uh had worked this missing or uh this murdered woman's um case years and years ago she got too deep was taken off it um and at some point we find out that Jodie Foster came to town around or right after when this case was happening. Um, it's not quite clear, but um, it, it's, it, it's what is clear is that something kind of went down with these uh, with these two. Um, they definitely have a tense, uh, broken seeming uh, relationship, professional, uh, personal, whatever. And um yeah, uh, at, at the end of the day, there's going to have to be some kind of a connection between uh, Annie Kay's uh, murder case and the missing scientist at the Tulsal station. Um, and that's all going to come to a head. So uh, we open up the episode with... Um, so we have a, a group of caribou... Um, a hunter hanging out on uh, what we come to find out is uh, basically the edge of like a, a cliff here. And um, again, it's, it's like the last sunset and he's the only seemingly only person out there and something spooks the hell out of the caribou. Um, one kind of like looks up a little bit startled and then all of a sudden they all start running and me and my sister watched this together she has not seen any of the previous seasons um you know they're all their own deals uh but they did mention that this kind of does take place in the same universe as the first season of true detective and i'll get into that more uh as i get deeper into the episode but um you know so uh, anyways, I don't even know why I even brought that up, but, uh, she, she hasn't seen any 
of uh, the previous seasons, she like knows that there's like a tone, a vibe, a a thing going on with with this with this series, and um, I just like looked at her as this was happening, as they were taking off, and I was like, no, nope, nope, I don't like. I know where this is going. They're about to fucking run off something. They're. It's bad. It's bad. You just know. Okay. Like it just not good. And the hunter is fucking freaked out. Right. He's like what the hell is going on with these animals. And um, as we're watching it like before before the drama happened. And they they, they start running off and whatnot. Um, my sister was like you know what. I've I've resigned myself to like being fine with CGI animals. And I was like, you know what? Me too. Like, you know, who cares? Like it, we're, we're making it work. We're, we're making it work. So, um, the, the, the caribou were done really well. Um, and then, uh, this one shot, which was insane as they literally go off the edge of this cliff or whatever, uh, straight to their death. Um, there's just like this crazy shot of one of them with its, you know, it's kind of back arched and it like, it just looked like a painting. It was, I don't know, like hauntingly beautiful. Okay. It was disturbingly beautiful. Uh, it, it, it freaked me out, left me feeling quite uneasy and uh I looked at my sister and I said you know welcome to true detective glad to have you here welcome aboard uh let's go okay let's do this so um so that happens okay and then we open up to the uh Talzal station um we come to find out that uh through their uh, about us part of their website, um, through the the police later in the episode, um, the station has been open for 18 years and the point, I think it's, I can't remember who they said it was funded by, but like they're looking for the origin of life. I don't know if that was serious or if that was, uh, I, I don't know the specifics of what that exactly means, but that's where we're at. And, uh, these, these, it's an all male facility. I think there's seven of them and they're all just going about their, their end of the evening activities. You could tell that pretty much dinner's done, work is done. It's winding down time. They're into winding down time. Um, one guy's working out on the treadmill. One's picking up a book from the library area, uh, one guy's making a a TikTok, making a sandwich. Um, it's laundry. We've got one guy kind of uh, working still in the back with the whiteboard, which fucking that whiteboard comes back in a creepy, do- creepy, super creepy way. And um, the 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 standout here to me because I fucking love this movie. I, most people do. I think if you hate it, you really fucking hate this movie. But if you don't, you don't. Um, Ferris Bueller is on in the background. It's the parade scene in Chicago. 
the lip syncing to the Beatles before he goes into Donka Shane. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, we have a, one or two of the guys drinking a beer, Lone Star beer. Okay. Leonardo DiCaprio, what's upon a time in Hollywood meme. Insert yourself here, please. I was pointing at the screen. I was like, that's Matthew McConaughey's beer. So every true detective fan, I'm sure spotted that right away. Um, they were drinking the same beer as Matthew McConaughey does in the first season when he's talking to the, uh, present day detectives. And so, uh, yeah. And they're watching this specific scene in Ferris Bueller. And so, I think this is the second time I've yawned and I'm really trying not to do that. Um, so yeah, uh, going about their day, business as usual. And while the one gentleman with the cute little beanie, very handsome guy, um, is doing his TikTok live real, is that the Instagram one? Whatever. He's doing some kind of a live thing. He's making a sandwich. And as he puts it together, a beautiful looking sandwich. Like it's a shame that like not even a single bite, I don't think was taken out of this thing. Um, just devastating. Almost as devastating as Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey. Just I fucking the shit out of her bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich only to have it knocked out of her hands, thrown into the sky, smashed down onto the street, and obliterated. Almost on that level. I hate to see a good sandwich not get eaten, okay? Um... So he goes, ta-da, as he finishes his sandwich, and there is a fucking, it seems like a fucking creeper in the background. You realize it's one of his uh, colleagues here, um, and uh, in a kind of peachy salmon muted coral colored parka, and he's freezing, he's shaking, he's uh, uh, hyperventilating. Wait, what is it called when you freeze to death? Is it hyperventilating? Uh, hypothermia. He's definitely going through some shit and he looks at the guy with crate, like crazed eyes, uh, and says she's awake. And we're like, okay. And it was like, I just, it's like, it's really funny when you think like, you know a fucking show and like you think you know your shit but like you don't know your shit because as soon as like the caribou deer jumped off the cliff and there was that beautiful shot of the, that last deer deer or whatever um I was like okay we're gonna get opening sequence we're getting the title we're getting the we're, it's needle drop nope then I'm like after this after the guy says she's awake and like I think the lights go out at the facility um I was like, okay, we're opening, opening credit sequence. Let's go. Nope, not yet. We get that one song. Uh, um, is it a UB40 song? The la 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 long, la 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 long, long, long time. Anyways, we see uh, a big truck pull into the station. A supply guy coming in to drop off the food and stuff for the week or for however long the duration is. Um we find out that this is about two-ish days later. Uh, so again, the poor sandwich is just sitting on the counter, not getting eaten by anybody. 
Um, and, uh, it's empty. It's creepy. I think he's usually, uh, has usually one of the guys or a few of the guys come and help him unload the truck, which is like, cool. Uh, it's not happening this time. And he's a little bit thrown off. He's like, I got your Funyuns, which is like, I love a good Funyun. I like the really big, like soft Funyuns. I don't like the, the, the smaller crunchy ones. Not my thing, but it just, woo, those, when you get like a big fat Funyun, that, that's the secret to life. Um, and that's what these guys are trying to find out at this facility are the origins and secrets of life, apparently. Um, so anyways, you're hearing, uh, slowly but surely the Beatles in the background. You're hearing, um, uh, uh, the, the Ferris Bueller, same exact, same exact scene. We keep coming in. Now the pod, the different podcasts I've listened to, uh, equate this to the movie somehow getting stuck on a loop, like on this scene. And I could see that, but I could also see, like I was talking to my sister about it again today, and she was like, I just happen to think we just keep coming in to the scene. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, and for us DVD people, like a, a menu loops or sometimes a menu will be left on and then it it plays after the menu is left uh, idle for 15 or 20 minutes, whatever. <coughs> um so we're not really sure what's going on here, but it the the screen glitches. The guy, the supply guy, delivery guy, he sees somebody, some kind of shadowy black figure, something blurred out of obscured out of our vision, uh run run down the hallway or past the hallway, something like that. Um, which I didn't really remember on the first watch. Um, at this point I've watched it three times. Um, I know in the intro I said I watched it twice, but a day or two has gone by since I recorded that, that little, uh, that little beginning part to this episode. So yeah, I watched it one more time and I listened to one more podcast. Uh, I listened to the official HBO podcast. Um, so the delivery driver comes back to the kitchen area, drops his keys on the ground bends over, picks him up, and you just know something ominous is coming. It's going to be a little something, a little breadcrumb left by Hansel and Gretel. And we get a tongue, a tongue. And I, again, I looked at my sister and I was like, nope, nope, that is exactly what I think it is. And I'm not here for it. And I don't like it. And it's fucking it's throwing me off and it's making me feel sick. And, uh, yep. That's, uh, then this is where we get the opening, uh, credit sequence. We got, uh, the, that one Billie Eilish song, uh, that talks about like, where do we go when we sleep? Which it's like, you know what, Billy? That's a great question. Where the fuck do we go when we sleep? Because honestly, I would like to know. Maybe I don't. Maybe if I did know, it could it could break my my mind and my spirit. But um, anyways, had this just and that that's like song it just has a really like cold, cool sound to it. And like, you know, I haven't even really gone into like the aesthetics of everything yet. Maybe I'll wait till we get to the end here. Um, 
but just we've got uh water is a huge uh chunk piece of the imagery going on here in this opening uh credit thing and um specifically people looking like they're in the water drowning trying to come up for air um and i think i think uh i think something is in the water i think i think <laughs> um from what i've picked up in my my three watches um is that uh that that just makes sense that would affect the animals the scientists could have figured it out. Maybe they figured out something's going on in the mine. I don't know. Now I'm going into like weird theory stuff, but I just, I'm kind of feeling like that's like the vibe. Like this is, you know, uh, you know, do you ever like remember watching those cartoons where they had like the, the dancing footsteps on the ground where you learned the steps to the dance by putting the, the footprints on the ground? Like, I think our footprints to this, this, you know, true detective, uh, night country dance that we're 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 beginning here is is leading us you know um from from the caribou to the scientist back to annie k to the mine to probably like every season before more higher up cops and law enforcement and then we're gonna get into who knows fucking congress people and senators and mayors and god knows who else and uh you business fucking people and it's just it's all gonna <laughs> it's just gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it's just amazing how we start so small in this just fucking remote town and um, you know, uh, the effects it has on, um, the indigenous people that, that live there and have been there and like Jodie Foster, well, I'm going to get into Josie, Jodie Foster and her, I don't even know what you call it, her, her racial undertones with the way she speaks and how she kind of thinks she, her character thinks she's being funny, but she's fucking, it's not funny. It's microaggressions. It's not even microaggressions. It's more than microaggressions. Anyways, it's a whole thing. I'm getting off topic. Um, but this title sequence here is super phenomenal. I really like it. Again, we've got the icy, cold, frigid, shit going down and it's it's great um so then the episode comes back to trooper devaro who is played by uh callie rays and um uh she which i did not know is like a boxer i'm not sure if mma too but um she also does a lot of activism for missing and murdered indigenous women um, and it's just, I think, super fitting, uh, for her to be in this show. And, uh, I've just really come to enjoy her character a lot. She has got a lot going on. Everybody in this town has a lot going on in their head, trauma-wise, just surviving, getting by, fucking with your head put on straight every day. And it's a miracle if people can even get that far um which you know in these these times these days uh highly relatable um 
so anyways, uh, she gets called into this, uh, crab packing facility. There's a domestic violence, uh, incident going on here, which I think is going to probably come back into play. I feel like this is a Chekhov, Chekhov's gun situation, which there could be like a lot of those that have already happened within the beginning of this episode. Um, but I just feel like this, this couple or this guy that got knocked out, he comes, he comes back, uh, later in the episode, uh, officer Navarro, she's going to get some alcohol. He's fucking complaining, uh, about this situation. She pours some Baileys in his fucking gas tank, which I guess is no good. It's like the same kind of the, on the same playing field as putting sugar in a gas tank, which I'm not sure what that does. I think it gunks it up from what I've read in the comment section of other people asking this question. So anyways, she was fucking up his truck. Um, but yeah, this guy seems like an absolute piece of shit. His wife has a black eye. There's this, uh, older coworker friend of hers, um, who, you know, she's like, yeah, I hit him. He hit her. I hit him. Uh, he hit her. So she stays with me, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just a great way of establishing, um, Navarro because she listens to these women, uh, and takes what they have to say, uh, seriously. (laughs) Uh, because the guy that manages the facility was kind of an asshole as well. So, um, while she's there, she gets a call about the, uh, research station. And, um, this is when we see Jodie Foster arriving to the station. Her character's name is, uh, oh shit. What's the first name? Danvers. We're going to just go with Danvers for now. Um, she arrives and, um, we see a fellow, uh, officer, whatever, uh, Hank Pryor is his name. I think his, the actor's name is John Hawks or John Hawkins. I don't want to mess that up, but he's been around for a while. Top tier actor. When a guy like this pops up in a movie or a show or anything, it's, it makes it better. Um, and so I, Again, through some of the podcasts I listen to, I can't gauge if these two were in a relationship before, if they were married before. I don't know. Um, I can't quite get the timeline 100% straight because when she talks to Navarro about the Annie K case and how she's like, I didn't take you off it. Hank took you off it. I had just got here, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know, like, how could she, like... You know, then she has like a whole stepdaughter and then she has a kid that seemingly died. And like, I don't know if there's just like, I guess we'll find out as the freaking show continues. So, uh, she comes into the station, she's talking with him. We establish pretty quickly that they have an interesting relationship. Like he, he seems to kind of undermine her. She seems to be a little bit of a hard ass, uh, but whatever, um, as soon as she starts hearing um, the Beatles in the background, she fucking speeds up. And I know Jodie Foster is a short queen, okay? And as a short girl like myself, uh, seeing her go from, like, walking at normal speed to speed walking to running as fast as, like, her little body could take her, uh, she was on a fucking mission. This shit needed to be turned off immediately. And uh, we meet Hank's son, who... 
fuck. I can't remember his first name either. Their last name is Pryor. I know that. Um, and he's like, yeah, I've, I've tried to turn it off. Those things don't open. Those don't open. Those, those, those cupboards don't open. Finally, she fucking kicks one. It opens up. And, like, she doesn't just push stop on the DVD player. She fucking, like, kicks it until it's, like, it turns off. Um, and then she uh, cheekily, cheekily says that she's a, not a Beatles fan, um, which I saw some people were upset with on Twitter. And uh, reminder this is fiction. Jodie Foster is playing a character that doesn't exist in real life. So when you really think about it, nobody said that they weren't a Beatles fan because this is a fictional show and people shouldn't get so offended over somebody not being a Beatles fan. I mean, I like them, but it's okay if somebody doesn't like them. Anyways, um, yeah. So obviously something is going on there more so than just not being a Beatles fan. And as the episode continues, we get this little drunk driving incident thing that happens. And it's clear that, like, she had a husband and a child that passed away in a very tragic fucking accident. And me and my sister and other people are naturally assuming that Maybe this particular Beatles song was playing when that happened. Um, so, yeah, she she's, she's not a Beatles fan. Um, we f- find out through them going through the facility, looking at the food, the phone, the laundry, everything, that it's been about two days since these guys have gone MIA. Um, uh stinky laundry we know how that goes the sad sandwich that got left behind of course uh hank is like well that meat still looks pretty fresh and she was like the mayonnaise is syrupy and gross and she knows that from leftover lunches in the car uh kid lunches in the car um stinky laundry you we all know how that happens you leave it in there uh, a couple hours too long and it starts to turn and it's not good. Okay. Um, uh, again, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the station has been operating for 18 years. Uh, not sure who's funding it, uh, on the whiteboard that one of the guys was doing, you know, science stuff with earlier in the episode, the board now says we are all dead, which is real Okay, uh, that was written on the whiteboard. We are all dead. Um, and again, that could be quite literal. Or that could mean, did they find out something in the research that they're doing uh, that is going to doom humanity? Is it like we are all dead? Like all of us, like all the billions of us that live on this weird floating rock in the middle of the wherever we're floating in the universe um what does it mean it's like the jennifer lawrence hot ones episode mean what does it mean what does it mean and again something happened at the is is the toxic sludge from the is the is the is the lime green glow-in-the-dark toxic sludge from the mine factory facility 
poisoning the water and is that why we are all dead and these scientists have figured it out and now they're be they've been killed in a frozen man sickle in the middle of the arctic tundra by the the, the higher ups and this corruptive corrupted uh town you know what does it mean what is it all going to lead to I don't know. There's six episodes to the season. So I, uh, you know, I hope when we get to the landing, it, it sticks it for the most part. Cause I'm tired of shit, not sticking landings. Um, but yeah. So anyways, uh, she, uh, Danvers checks out the tongue, uh, notices that there's this kind of groove pattern. Um, the, the younger officer is like, is that like a bite mark? And she knows that that is from like a fishing thread, fishing thread to a hook, uh, specifically um, an indigenous woman uh, from that area. <clears throat> and the tongue probably, most likely 100% does not belong to any of the men at this, uh, this station here. Um let's see. Oh yeah. And like I said, um, the, the relationship she has with Hank is just, I don't know. They're just, they're funky. She asks him to call something in and he just doesn't. And then she like asks the son to do it because he's not listening. It's just like, what, like, what is this dynamic? It's so weird. Um, then we get, uh, Fiona Shaw. Uh, her name is Rose in the show. I remember that much for sure. Um, she is, I thought she was like, um, I don't know what the term is, like dressing this animal. I didn't pay attention to what the animal was until I watched it the second time. She's literally just like hacking into a wolf that's strung up, you know, on a whole, like you would a pig or something, just taking its innards out. And, uh, she looks over and she, um, and she's like compared to everybody else, uh, or other characters, her home seems to be like way out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like the town is in the middle of nowhere. Her property, whatever this is, is fucking in the middle of literal nowhere. Like we are beyond the wall. Okay. White walkers live out here. And speaking of white walkers, we have this ghostly figure appear, figure appear to her. And, um, she calls him Travis. And if we go back to season one of True Detective, Matthew McConaughey talks about uh, in his character, Rusty Cole, that him and his father spent some time in Alaska. And I think he said they saw some pretty weird shit. So this guy who looks like he's wearing some kind of a, I mean, it's flannel and jeans what, from what it looks like, which is an outfit that is worn today uh, <laughs> uh, on in mass, but, uh, this outfit also looks like it could very much be from, um, from like the seventies or eighties or something. So, uh, that's that, uh, we get, um, uh, Navarro confronting Danver, Danvers about the tongue. Um, you know, she's saying that this could be from, the Annie K case. Um, 
Danvers is like, please don't start with this again. You you got too deep into it the last time and it almost ruined your career. Don't do it again. Um, and uh, But Danvers, after this confrontation, Danvers eventually asks uh, Hank for the files of the case. Apparently there was like a flood or something years ago and a bunch of files, police files, ended up at Hank's house which eventually we see the son who it was asked by Jodie Foster to go to the house and get the files incognito sneak them out okay this guy Hank already has a weird fucking vibe okay we find out he's having like a mail order catalog Russian bride situation thing going on he's a fucking borderline creeper dude um Then Danvers gets a call. Uh, she, uh, her uh, a, a stepdaughter, uh, gets in trouble for making a uh, a uh, sexy time fucking video with a uh, younger um, uh, a younger teenage girl. She gives I I I don't know. I'm assuming she must be like seventeen or eighteen. We find out that this uh, other girl was about 16. Um, so Jody uh, and the, the other chick's mom is like pissed and is like fucking screaming at Jody Foster. And like she gets in the car and she's pissed. She's like, do you even understand like this shit ends up on porn fucking sites? It doesn't get taken off. Like you can't just do shit like this at your age, you know? And anyways, they, they go back and forth and, um, they almost get hit by a drunk driver. And again, this is where we realize like something very traumatic has happened to Jodie Foster's character here. Um, and, uh, when she, uh, she's real quickly checks on the, the, the daughter is real good with her, making sure she's, you know, breathing and she's okay. And then she goes out and this lady is obviously like the town drunk. I think her name is Chasey, Stacy Chombers or something. Like some guy yells out of the window. He's like, is that fucking Chasey Chombers again? And like, it's just like such a funny small town little thing that they threw in there and like this is awful this is a drunk driving fucking thing but this lady is so fucking just pathetic and just god it's just awful dude the whole scene is just awful um and Jodie Foster is fucking comes unglued she calls her fucking bitch she freaking slams her against the car and she like looks over and makes eye contact with her stepdaughter and her stepdaughter like looks at her and she's just sort of like maybe a little bit too far there mom you know what I mean and uh yeah just a real intense scene and you could just you just know that something something has happened and they show us that because as she gets out of the car to go check and see what the hell just happened um you get this we get this weird flash and she's stepping on glass instead of snow, like walking into a different accident. Um, we see Navarro going to the mine, speaking to Annie's brother. Um, and this other gentleman just has like this, just like 
this isn't cool look on his face. Like he sees her and he looks at her, Annie's brother and is like, "Mm mm-mm. And so she comes over to his house. They talk about Annie. She, he, 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 you know, he's like, I love my sister, but she, I was, we were barely talking at the end. She was going on about the mine. I told her if the mine's gone, the town is gone. Maybe it's best not to bring this, this stuff back up again. And, uh, he, offers her a beer he goes it's the last of my stash and she's like no I'll just I'll just have some water and he goes oh the water went bad three days ago three days ago um what else happened about three-ish days ago seven scientists disappear pack of caribou jump off a cliff okay Shit's getting weird, okay? We're getting our weird, supernatural, is it connected, time is a flat circle vibes here, okay? All right? But in true detective fashion, this will all be solved in a very uh, earthly sense. Um, But things do get pretty uh, cerebral here coming up in the next few scenes. Um, But uh, yeah, the water went bad three days ago. Interesting, interesting line. Okay. The water, water is life. So, um, something else that kind of stood out to me too, was she specifically asked him if she, uh, she asks if Annie ever brought up the Tazal station and he was like, I don't really think so. So, um, you know, maybe trying to see possible boyfriend, some sort of a tie-in, anything that he might have known, you know, he can't remember, he doesn't say. And again, just hearing him talk and like, it just, I don't know, this is just like a fucking devastating fucking town. You know what I mean? Um, And Danvers says that about Annie eventually to Navarro. She tells her uh, Innes killed, killed her, you know? And, uh, yeah, anyways, um, and this is when we get like a, 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 a rust coal kind of vibe line here. Some just nihilistic, just sad shit. Uh, he asks her if she believes in God. She says, yes. She brings up something about the war. We get this insane flashback, which I do not like in movies or anything when like, heads are like caved in or just like missing parts of it I can't do it that's like a part that's like a gore I just I can't not not my deal not my thing so we get this crazy really graphic like flashback to whatever fucking war she was in um uh or wherever it is that she was stationed um and I can't remember what this chick said to her she said something like listen or something um, and then the brother goes like, oh, well, it must be nice to like, what do you say? Like believe in something, something like that. And, uh, uh, or believe that we're not alone. And she freaking just like matter of factly says we're alone. God too. That was a line. That was a line. And she delivered it really fucking well. So, uh, Danvers has Pryor, the younger Pryor, uh, go to, uh, 
his dad's to get Annie's files. Uh, but uh, while she's trying to get a hold of him, we meet him and his, uh, I believe his wife, girlfriend, partner. Um, they have a son named Darwin. I can remember the son, his son's name, but I can't remember his name. Um, and his son had drew this picture of what looks like a, a lady with missing fingers, um, which apparently is like a, uh, like a, a, a mythological, um, person, um, to this specific area. He wouldn't know that because, you know, he's just some dumb young white guy and, uh, he's like looking at his partner and, um, you know, she's native and he's like, what, uh, what's up with like, has your grandma been telling him stories again? And she's like, you were at work. I had class. He had, he has to go somewhere. And she's just telling him stories of his culture. Like we have this child together. Like he's going to learn things from you and he's going to learn things from me. And, uh, so, um, um, God, shit, there was a story about the missing fingers on this lady, though. Um, I'll have to freaking look into it because I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, mess it up or say anything stupid. Um, but, uh, yeah, they start to get a little fresh with each other, which I was, like, telling my sister. I was like, the the kid, though, the kid, though, like, they didn't go far enough, far enough into the other room. <laughs> Like the kid wasn't asleep or anything, whatever. Anyways, they, uh, they start getting a little frisky and his phone's ringing and it's Danvers and she's like, you're not going to answer your phone right now. And eventually he does. And, um, uh, he's got to go get these files. Right. So he comes up with some kind of a story to tell his dad. He's like, Oh, Darwin wanted to see me a pic, a picture of like me and mom. I told him I'd, I'd, I'd bring one over. So, He's at his dad's. His dad's expecting his uh, Russian bride lady visiting for Christmas. She likes blue. He painted a room blue for her. And it was a blue fucking room. Like that. It was too blue. He asked He asked the kid. He goes, too blue? Yeah. Fucking too blue is right. Okay. Um, so the kid goes back into his old old room. You could tell that he grew up in. Uh, pretends to look for a picture, frantically looks through these fucking files while his dad's asking him if he wants a beer or this or that, whatever. He grabs the, he finds the files, chucks it out the window, shuts the window, and as soon as he turns around, his dad's fucking standing right in the doorway. And you knew he was going to be freaking standing in the doorway. And he was. And he goes, show me what you took. And he pulls out. He already had the picture, bitch. He already had the picture of him and his mom. And the dad just, just like, oh, haven't, didn't know I still had that or hadn't seen that one in a while. And, uh, that's it. I, he asked for chips too when he was like looking for the files. He's like, oh, I'm kind of hungry, dad. You got like chips or something? And of course, this motherfucker has fucking nothing in his fridge, dude. Nothing. So then the kid goes to Jody Foster's house, okay? Uh, uh, and, um, and, you know, he has a little interaction with, with the daughter and, um, uh, you know, so you could tell that they, they've, you know, 
have grown up around each other. Oh, he says he babysat her. I think he said I, I preferred when I babysat her and she couldn't talk. Um, <coughs> which sounded like real big brotherly. It was a cute interaction. So they go into the kitchen and he's hungry. And she, guess what? She's got some soup, you know, that she could give to him. So it was like a stark contrast between his dad's house and her house. So again, I don't know if she was married to the guy before or not. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if they said that or not. I, I'm lost. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, she fills him in on the whole thing with Annie Kay. She gets into the brutal and disgusting and graphic details of what happened to her. Um, specifically how she was stabbed and, uh, the, the wounds had a star shape, star shaped wounds. And, um, I'd seen on Twitter, somebody had posted a couple just real pretty, well, not pretty, just again with the hauntingly beautiful, just these sort of just real gray, cold shots of, uh, of, of the episode, some stills from the episode. And one of the stills was of, of the mine. And I wrote it down somewhere. Uh, it's like sky key mine, something like that. Anyways, whatever the logo of the mine has a star within it. So, you know, I don't know later on when Danvers and Navarro are talking about this case again um uh Navarro talks about like you know you weren't there I was the one I you know I saw her she's like like we found out like they were they, they were kicking her and beating her like after she was fucking dead like she was dead and they were still beating her up so this is just a really vicious and like just insane murder right and then you know, Navarro and her get into it more where Navarro's like, you know, we see Danvers start to get back into this case, right? But she kind of still holds up this weird front with Navarro and even with uh, Pryor here a little bit of like, she's looking into the case, but she's acting like she's kind of not at the same time. It, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, but Navarro brings up you know, and this happens in the, the true crime shit all the time, is that the coverage for a white woman going missing is uh, insanely greater and more vast than someone, a woman of color. Um, and in like these northern communities, um, indigenous women going missing and being murdered, um, like the rate is astronomically high in comparison to white women. And so, you know, when Navarro and Danvers get into it with each other, you know, Danvers is like, like we would have done it. What does the skin color have to do with it? Which is such a fucking boomer thing to fucking say. Well, I, I don't see color, you know, blah, blah, blah. She knows that's not the case. We know that's not the fucking case. Navarro knows that's not the fucking case. Um, she was murdered to shut up. Like, she literally said they cut her tongue out to shut her the fuck up. Word for word. Um, which is horrifying and disturbing. And um, 
dark, uh, just dark. Um, so yeah, so she, she's, she's filling the kid in on everything. Cause he's like, oh, well you, you lied to her then you, you are looking into this. Like, you know, um, so, uh, next time we see Navarro, she's knocking on somebody's door. I guess it's the bartender in town or the guy that owns the bar and they have a, a little hookup session. And like, I was like, something is happening here. And, uh, when they were done, I looked at my sister and I was like, I thought that guy was about to cry. And she was like, I was like, I literally thought tears were going to come out of his eyes. Like that was, uh, I think that was, uh, uh, an orgasm he was never going to forget. Uh, it just was a really interesting, it was really interesting sex scene, you know? Um, and then she kind of like, goes for a SpongeBob toothbrush. And then he was really funny because he says something like, she's like, why do you have a SpongeBob toothbrush? And he's like, because he's a, he's a sponge and he lives in a pineapple at the bottom of the ocean. I don't know. He just said it. So it just, it was really funny. And you could kind of like, you know, they have a cute dynamic. You know, we literally just see them like having this just straight up fuck session. And then it was just nice to see like the cute dynamic behind it, you know? Um, and she takes the toothbrush, uh, uh, and he tells her that like, um, well, he does bring up that her sister hasn't been, uh, coming on to her, some of her ships. I skipped the whole thing about her sister. She got a call earlier about, uh, her sister having some kind of an episode. She thought somebody was in her apartment. Um, and you could just tell that like, she's troubled. They bring up the mom having some kind of, uh, mental, uh, health issues. And the sister's just like, don't hospitalize me. Promise me you wouldn't hospitalize me. So, you know, that's probably going to come back into to things again eventually, but he brings up specifically here to her that she's been missing some of her shifts and then he tells her like next time you call I'm not going to answer and then she kind of like smiles and he smiles and it was it was cute I don't know it was kind of cute and she takes his toothbrush um uh one thing that I didn't pick up on the first time Danvers daughter brings up um how they never talk about the crash that happened that day um and Danvers immediately goes right into like, uh, we're going to have Christmas this year and I'm going to cook. Oh, but one thing that was really cool was, uh, th- with the toothbrush thing, um, uh, Angie goes to you, you know, she uses his fucking toothbrush, right? Which is like, that's a whole thing. Okay. That's a whole thing. Uses his toothbrush, takes the toothbrush and we immediately go into the scene with Jodie Foster brushing her teeth with her electronic toothbrush. Um, it just, I, I just, I love, I love, I love cinema. I love, I love shows. I just love, I love, I love it. I love it. I love good editing. It was great. Um, let's see. Danvers wakes up to this really horror fucking fine dream. Your worst nightmare as a parent is your fucking kid dying before you do. Okay. Clearly, that has happened here. She's been through something, uh, probably a drunk driving crash, 
while the Beatles are playing. And here, a little boy named Holden uh, puts his little hand on her, reaches out over to her, and she says, Holden. She wakes up freaked out, and there is a little stuffed polar bear with a missing eye on the floor. She picks up. She's freaked out. We're all freaked out. What the fuck? Then we go into Navarro driving on the phone with what sounds like either Annie Kay's mom or aunt, grandma, some female figure in her life. They're talking about the case a little bit. It cuts out and the the woman asked her something fucking specific and I didn't write down what it was but it it starts to break up really weird it reminded me how of how the dvd player the tv broke up at the the research station and there's a polar bear in the fucking middle of the road with a missing eye and again with the supernatural stuff like what is like is everybody fucking tripping? Are they all fucking tripping? Like, is there so much shit in the water? To, like, are is this the crazies? Is this the crazies in Alaska? Like, it feels like it. Like, uh, freaking 30 days of night has come to, has come into full fruition here. Um, oh, yeah. I always forget about Ben Foster's character in 30 Days of Night. He just wanders in out of the cold, like a Renfield. Oh my God, he was like a Renfield character. I never put that together, ever watching that movie. Wow. He kind of like is the, uh, the, the, the herald, the, the coming of the sounding the, not sounding the alarm, it's the opposite of that. He's sort of letting them know that like trouble's coming into town, mister, and you better be prepared like a... Ooh, he was also really good in that Western 310 to Yuma, too. Anyways, Ben Foster, great actor. Um, I would fucking love to see him in True Detective. That would be, that would be, that would be a sleigh. For sure. So anyways, um, Polar Bear. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the connection with this Polar Bear is going to be, or what the deal is, or the missing eye. Um, I keep one eye what's this uh, metallica keep one eye open gripping your pillow tight enter light enter my god i just forgot the lyrics to enter sandman but honestly though now that the song's playing in the radio that lives in my mind um enter sandman and what's going on here yeah where do we go when we're asleep? Enter Sandman. Keep one eye open. Gripping your pillow tight. Jodie Foster was gripping her pillow tight. I'm going to have to call James Hetfield and uh, Lars and ask them what's going on here. Because this is some Wizard of Oz, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon shit. Hmm. Okay. Anyways, I got to wrap this episode up. My mouth is dry and I've just been going on and I told my sister that I would watch the second episode with her when I was done recording and I have just been taking my sweet ass time and I really want to get this episode over and posted so I can watch the second one so anyways the polar bear stuff I don't know we'll see what happens um 
Danvers uh, starts to go and I don't know if she took an Adderall or what, but she's got the one of the best printer home printers I've ever fucking seen. She prints out all of her fucking research shit, all of the scientist shit, the Annie shit. And and we we go we we're spiraling into the flat circle that is time. And as she's going through the photos, we see that pink salmony color come up in a jacket here and a jacket there. And oh my God, what would what do you know? One of the scientists she's wearing this jacket in these pictures, and the scientists that we saw shivering and shaking and hypothermia at the beginning of the episode was wearing that same Parker except when Annie is wearing it there is a rip where there is a patch on his of a yellow smiley face which reminds me of Randall Flagg from The Stand and I don't think this has anything to do with The Stand but I just uh I just you know I just want to brag here for a minute um Getting through books have been a challenge uh, for like the last, I don't know, year or two. I've read some, finished some, whatever. But like retaining the stuff has been really hard. And um, I just want to say that I, a few weeks ago, finally finished reading, listening to the audiobook of The Stand, Stephen King's The Stand, 47 hours, 47 hours, and, and, 47 minutes. I think that's what, I think that's how long it was. 47 hours. And then I listened to about 50 different podcasts. And then I, I, I had, I watched both of the mini series and I, that's all. So anyways, something reminded me of something. Yeah. The patch reminded me of Randall Flagg from the stand. Maybe Randall Flagg is, uh, somewhere out here and his shenanigans are afoot. Um, I don't think so, but the, just the, the smiley face, the yellow, the yellow smiley face is such, uh, a huge symbol in iconography. Did I say that right? Um, it's just so recognizable. Uh, Forrest Gump, Randall Flagg, whatever, uh, peace, love, uh, whatever, and um, the smiley face killers. Uh, isn't there something in the Watchmen that has to do with the smiley face too? I think. Anyways, it's just interesting. It's on the scientist, but ripped off of of it in any of the pictures with Annie. Oh man, I didn't. I was going to try to pay attention this time watching it before, before I recorded this. Um, I was going to try to see if they showed the patch or not in the beginning of the episode when he's shivering and shaking. I don't think, I don't think so. So I don't know. Anyways. Um, yeah. Parka, whatever. She goes back to the, um, station and, Clearly somebody else is there and we see that Navarro is there and um, they kind of get into it again. Oh, wait, hold on. Before she goes back, we see Fiona Shaw again, uh, Rose. Um, She's still being led by this Travis figure entity thing into the middle of literal nowhere. He starts doing this interpretive fucking dance and uh, yeah. And we know that this is going to lead to something. What? We don't know, but something. 
Um, so anyways, Danvers and Navarro are going back and forth at the Sawzall station. Um, she tells her about the coat. They look for it. They can't find it. Um, and I think here we get an even deeper look into just how either broken, broken or tense or whatever's going on in this relationship that at one point they had worked together on this and then something happened. And I think Navarro referred to like a higher up in the law enforcement or something. Um, Danvers mentioned something to Pryor when she was filling him in on the case uh, while feeding him soup. She brought up some lady's name specifically that Navarro pushed too hard, like showed up at her house or something when she was in the middle of the case. So I think in the next episode or two, we will be getting, we'll be seeing the, the, the layers to the onion of, of the, the hierarchy of this town, the people who are truly in charge, the people that pull the strings, if you will. Um, and, uh, she gets a call about, uh, Danvers gets a call about Rose, um, and we come to realize that, uh, some, if not all of the men from the station have been found. We have this mensicle, uh, thing going on here, if you, if you will, if you'll indulge me for a moment, um, we see at least, uh, you know, she comes up, we see Rose, and Navarro is like, I don't know if she asked, like, how'd you find this? Whatever. And Rose goes, Travis showed me. And fucking Navarro is like taken aback. And is like, she was not expe- she was not expecting to hear that a fucking dead guy led her here. And she was like, he's dead, Rose. And she's like, I know. Like, I've, I've, I fucking know. But that's how I got here. So don't know what to tell you. Again, maybe something's in the water. The polar bear ghost of whoever this Travis is of Rust Cole's father. Um, I don't know. But here we get the most um the most thing like uh imagery in this whole episode outside of like the station obviously and the the desolate uh middle of nowhere-ness that that surrounds the Salal uh station um we get these men uh frozen in horrified uh shocked screaming faces mouths wide open hands in front of them blackened fingertips just uh almost like fused together i the imagery was very disturbing, very interesting. I was curious to look at it um, some more. Um, I think in the, the the preview for the next episode, they showed somebody wipe off one of their foreheads. And I think there was a spiral. I could be tripping, honestly. I don't think that I am. But, um, but yeah. Anyways, that's the episode... I mean, I love how this looks. I love how it's shot. I like the pacing of this episode. 
I, Jodie Foster is just kills it. What if, what a fitting person for this? Um, I, 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 I don't know. Um, I just think it's, it fits with True Detective. I, some of the podcasts I've listened to, a, f- a few people have said like, oh, I, I'm not quite sure if it really feels quite like True Detective yet. And it's like, well, by the fourth season, it's like, what <laughs> every season so far has been True Detective in its own way. As long as there's some kind of a, a nihilistic darkness corruptive nature and element to the show it's it's true detective so um I'm liking it I'm enjoying it uh I like picking up on different little things whether they're gonna lead to nothing or something or just a little bit of something I don't know um but that that star that star that was on the logo that the mine company's logo and and such a violent murder to Annie, however many years ago, six years ago, the star-shaped wounds, the just like Navarro says, the the nature of wanting to shut her up and keep her quiet. Um, that's got to be what this is going to come back down to, you know, um, along with possible water contamination, possible hallucinations, dogs and cats living together. We're going into Ghostbuster territory, okay? Isn't, wait, I think the new Ghostbusters movie is called like Frozen Empire and we're in like frozen country here. So anyways, whatever. Um, That's the episode. Thank you for listening. Um, I, uh, now, now that we're in 2024, um, I feel, uh, Oh man, I feel like uh, I'm finally really ready to get back into this and I'm excited to have a show that I am genuinely excited to get into. Um, I'm hoping to do this uh, every week. It's only six episodes, so hopefully uh, laziness doesn't set upon me and keep me from doing all six because um, because this is just, I'm this is great. This is great. I'm in it to win it. We got... This is a puzzle box of a show and clues everywhere. I feel like Shaggy, Fred, Velma, Scooby, and fucking, uh, oh my God, Daphne. Jesus, I was like, who else am I forgetting? I feel like, I feel like the, the mystery, I need to hop in the mystery machine and, and I'm, and I'm part of, and I'm part of the team. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's true detective. So I will, uh, I'll be, you guys will be hearing from me again in terms of true detective. Um, I, I've been a little bit lazy with my editing. I have a few episodes, um, recorded and almost ready to go. I just need to, I just need to, uh, fine tune them and get them edited. Um, my 11 year old, uh, not too long ago wanted, he asked me if, I, I would do an episode with him about, um, birds and animals. Um, he started watching casual, the, the casual geographic guy on YouTube and, uh, and, uh, learned a few things. So, um, I'll be putting, I'll put, be putting that in one of my 
my regular episodes here soon. It was really cute. So naturally, uh, my younger son wanted to talk about Five Nights at Freddy. Um, I have an Us episode that I just need to finish editing and get out. And um, I was going to be doing some favorite TV characters. Um, over the last uh, uh, probably year or so, I've watched more uh, TV than I have in a long time. I've binged shows. Um, the reason why I started uh, reading The Stand outside of just loving Stephen King, um, I like binge watched the the show over last summer. Um, was having a hard time sleeping and like put it on at like I don't know in the evening or early night and watched the whole thing all night long until the ninth episode was done and ended, like. Literally, I thought my brain was going to break. Um, and I was like, okay, well, this is an interesting show. Really, really insane timing that a show or, well, show that's based on a book about a disease wiping out, like, almost all of the world's population coming out literally the year when we went through the biggest pandemic, like, that we've almost have ever been through ever, um, at least in our lifetimes, is wild, but I watched the show, um, eventually read the book and did the mini series. But um, I just uh, finished the curse, uh, the Nathan Fielder Benny uh, Sad Sadfi uh, show with Emma Stone starring in it. That show was fucking bonkers, absolutely insane. Um, I'm almost. I have uh, one episode left of what we do in the shadows. I've I finally gotten through almost all of the fifth season. Um, they're going to be ending it with the sixth one. So that's been a beautiful ride so far. Um, but just a lot, a lot of TV and a lot of movies. So, um, I think when I get, uh, to putting out my favorite TV character episode, I'll be getting into some of, um, some of like my favorite stuff that I've seen over the last couple years. You know what I mean? Um, so anyways, I just, I love TV. I love movies. Um, that's why I do this podcast. I, I get excited and I, I know there's other people out there like that. You, you go to the theater, you see something you like and, and you just want to hear somebody talk about it. You know, maybe you don't have a, you know, I don't know. It's like with Star Wars. It's like, well, I don't have too many friends that are into Star Wars. So it's like, you know, when I go on Twitter or listen to podcasts, it's like, there's a, there's just this weird invisible camaraderie there, I guess, you know? So anyways, um, I'm super excited that True Detective is back. Season four, can you believe it? After, after season two, they said it would never happen again. And here we are. And I'm very excited about it. I hope you're excited about True Detective too. And I will hopefully be seeing you, uh, not too long from now, um, and be getting into, episode two of season four of True Detective Night Country. Thank you for listening and uh, have a safe and pleasant rest of the week.